Hey, this is Devin Michael with the Higher Quality Podcast. Super excited to be interviewing you. So could you introduce yourself, your role in the company that you work at? Hi, I'm Pete Radloff. I'm a senior sourcer on the engineering and product leadership team here at Datadog. What is top of mind for you as a talent leader at your organization? While I suspect that most people are concerned with making sure they can get the right talent for their current needs, I'm also sort of hyper aware of our need to have smooth processes and actionable systems on our end so that it makes our job of finding those people a lot easier. What is something you wish you knew about leading talent that you didn't know when you first started? Leading people is about so much more than just checking boxes and data points on a performance review. It's really about making sure that you know who your folks are, what motivates them, what are the things that get them out of bed in the morning to come to work. What's something unique about you as a talent leader at your organization that makes you a perfect fit for that job? I think at least I'd like to believe that I bring a good combination of both system expertise and understanding sort of the back of the house operations, as well as the ability to engage the right people. I think additionally, you know, while I don't necessarily have an interest in, in management having gone down that road, I feel really prepared to be able to mentor and guide other people as they're growing through their career. We made it to the last question, and this one's a fun one. What is the worst question you've ever been asked in an interview? I think this is a relatively easy one. I recall hearing an interviewer ask a candidate, who would you most like to have beers with at your current company and why? And I still haven't been able to figure out exactly why that was relevant. What's up, everyone? I'm Devin Michael, host of the Higher Quality Podcast and COO and co-founder of Qualify. I am joined today by Pete Radloff, Senior Technical Leadership Recruiter at Datadog. You may not know them. I know them very well because I use Datadog myself. Pete, I'm super excited to have you here today. Thanks for joining in on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I want to jump right in and get started. Pete is here now. You've just heard him on the pre-interview, the qualify interview that you hear at the beginning of every show. But now Pete is here for a higher quality conversation. So Pete, I have a one request before we jump into my questions is, can you add color to my intro of you? I feel like I don't do a great job of telling the full story and you're the only one that has the full story. So why don't you tell the, the audience who you are? beyond what I can show them with a job title. Yeah, so with Datadog, I sit within our leadership recruiting organization. Um, it's a smaller team, but we're focused on all the leadership roles for engineering, for product management across Datadog. So really anything sort of manager plus for that and focused on bringing some of those leaders into the organization that are gonna help us to, to scale and grow the company. Awesome. Well, in the interview, one of the things that really stood out to me that you don't hear from everyone is you hear that you hear the typical stuff when it's top of mind for recruiting, you're thinking about candidate experience, you're thinking about providing speed and efficiency or things like that. But we don't always hear about the words actionable systems on your end, right? So tell me about what that means to you and tell the audience about what that means to, to you when you say those words. Yeah, I think when I think about that, it's about having the right processes and mechanisms set up so that we can get end to end, right? And, and part of that is sort of the true 
back of the house systems that work? Do we have a functional CRM that works? Do we have an ATS that talks to that? Do we have a way to automate the things that are, you know, repetitive or things that, you know, we can sort of take the the human element out of save some time, right? I'm not saying AI everything. I'll never say that. But I think that there's, you know, those processes are are important from a systems perspective. But then also too, I think having those repeatable processes that the managers that we work with, the leaders that we work with can sort of know how we operate, what to expect next. And I think that that dribbles down to a candidate perspective too, right? And and making sure that at each stage, they know what's going to happen next. They know what to expect. There's no surprises. There's, you know, that 11th hour stuff that comes up like, oh, I wish we would have talked about that. You know, if I know a position requires relocation or something like that, like let's have that ugly conversation in the beginning so that we can get that out of the way. And that doesn't become, you know, this sticking point when everybody's already in love at the finish line. That's good. (laughs) It's stuff, I feel like it's stuff that is very simple like that's a when you say it out loud it's like oh why didn't i think of that but i feel like not everyone's thinking that way like everyone's thinking like beginning and end but not middle is kind of what you're saying so much of what we do is you know i hate to to break it down to such a simplistic form but like so much of what we do is just common sense and basic human interaction right and it's the same thing you'd want at a restaurant it's the same thing you'd want if you're going to you know a job interview it's the same thing you'd want from all these other things right and so i think that that's really an important piece of what we do is making sure we just really sort of capture the basic nuance of the end-to-end process right honestly yes and that's the human and the human resources or you know, right. well, I don't know. Right. Maybe yeah, some people don't. Some people think of it as two separate functions, which it is. I think so too. They the, are. the dark side and air quotes, right? But it's still the human-centered organization or piece of the organization. I feel like so. Yep. You're the one, one of the few, actually, the only person so far that I'm asking two questions, two follow-up questions from the the pre-interview. So, yeah. uh, kudos or lucky you. So <laughs> you said something really interesting, and I think. I have this base assumption as an individual that there's constant, I'm always thinking about growth in a very linear way. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, that's been my bias. I've actually had that bias checked m- on multiple times and now I've changed a bit, but I'm always thinking like, what's next, what's the next position. And naturally recruiters, I feel like people that are listening are thinking if I'm a recruiter today, I want to be a leader tomorrow. Right. And you actually said, I don't have an interest. You said, I don't have an interest in leadership because I've gone down that road. Why is that? Like, why, why, why go back to IC? So I think early on in my career, I think there was this very linear, like, got to get to senior recruiter, got to get to manager, got to get to director. And then you get to director and you're like, I don't, I don't know that I love this part of the job, you know? And I think you sort of figure out what are the, what are the parts of the job that are are most interesting to you are the things that sort of, you know, get the hair up on the back of your neck are the things that make you want to continue to go on day to day and sitting in meetings and budgeting and spreadsheets like was not that was not it, you know, and I think part of there were parts of it that I liked, I liked developing other people, I liked man like managing people and growing them and seeing, seeing somebody have that aha moment was those were the things I really got the satisfaction of, you know, did I make the Excel spreadsheet trickle down to the number that we need to wasn't exciting. Um, (laughs) And so I think that there's a value add there that everybody can sort of figure out, like, where is the place where you get the best 
proverbial bang for your buck in mm. in the role. And for me, it's can I go and find that new person? Can I tinker with this new tool that might help me? Can I take somebody who is really interested in doing what we do and help to sort of train them, develop them to get to that point, right? And and I've seen this mentioned a bunch of times in previous episodes and other places. Nobody's walking into this with a bachelor's degree in recruiting, you know, and you you sort of figure that out as you go along. And I think that I figured out the parts that really are interesting to me and it sort of jives with the rest of my life. You know, I'm a Girl Scout dad. I'm a soccer coach. I've been coaching soccer for 15 years. I love the developmental piece of it. And mm. so I think that's just a part that I've gotten comfortable with. And, you know, maybe when my kids are up and growing, like, yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll want to dive back into that. But it just, it didn't, I didn't find that to be the thing that drove me the most. I love that. That's a, like, I feel like it's a super important realization that anyone can come to and like, just knowing what you want and right. getting away from like the, the, what everyone else would tell you you should want and just doing it for you, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's hard to rationalize. Like some people don't understand the nonlinear perception of that, but something like, a, you know, when I spoke at SourceCon a couple of years ago, I loved it. It was a great opportunity, but I also felt like, you know, volunteering at the conference and being sort of behind the curtain those were the things that I really liked. I loved seeing like all the effort that we put into it come out into this great end product. And I think that mm -hmm. that's, that was a real moment for me where I was like, okay, I'm validating that this is, this is really what I, what I enjoy the most. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess let's, let's go with that back to the very beginning. Right. So you mentioned there is no uh, bachelor's degree in recruiting. And right. I've said, I haven't said that word for word, but I pretty much say the same line every episode, yeah. which is like, Everyone I know in recruiting did not start by saying, I want to be in recruiting. They just kind of found their way into it. So Absolutely. what's your story? I know what I see on LinkedIn, right? But like, what's your story in? And you can walk me all the way to where we are today. Yeah. So I, I when I came out of school, I, I was lucky enough back in 98 to sort of have a, a job before I walked out of school, which was kind of rare. And um, it was it was it was really nice. But I was working at the time with adults with disabilities, and I was working as a, as a sort of program manager, program coordinator. I moved down to Virginia on a coin toss in 99, found my way down here, and I'm, I'm working for the state, and I'm a director of volunteer services and, and program coordination, right? So um, I'm doing that. We're, we're turning this program around, getting hundreds of volunteers where there were none previously. I'm sitting there one day, you know, talking to a friend of mine, I'm like, I don't, what am I going to do next, right? Am I going to work for the state forever? Or, you know, thinking about what am I doing? I'll break down, like, what do you do well, right? I thought about it. I'm like, I'm getting all these people to come work here for free and spend their time for free as a volunteer. Like, what if I was recruiting people and, like, I was actually paying them for the work that they would be doing, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a career path. So I, so I apply to a couple of places down here, and I wind up getting a call back from a, a staffing agency, and I meet with the the guy there and we start talking about it. And he's, you know, he's, he's walking me through everything. And I'm like, this is, this is it. Like, this is the thing I'm supposed to be doing. And so we're sitting in the back of an office that was not completely built out yet. Literally sitting on one of those like wire spindles. He slides an offer letter over and he's like, this is going to be a good next couple of decades for you. And took that job, started doing sort of the temp staffing thing, spend a lot of time on that and realized like, okay, like I'm not going to make a ton of money here like but where can i do this like where is the where's the place where i can chase the proverbial carrot 
make my way mm-hmm. over to a more traditional tech staffing agency where you know there's spread, there's commission, there's things like that. So the more you put in, the more you get out of it, the more money you're going to make. And found my way there, and I think there is where I figured it out. Like this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing for sure. Fortunate to work with some really smart people there. Kind of latched myself onto you know you look at the board and you figure out like who's who who's running the show here, who are the people who are really producing, and sort of latched onto those folks and had a great run there. Spent three or four years there, and I think at that point I was you know I was getting married, I was thinking about having a kid, and I was like, all right, I need to know what that paycheck looks like every two weeks, right? Rather than like, yeah. oh, I had a bad month, maybe can't pay the mortgage this month. Mm. And so decided to take a stab at, at corporate recruiting, but I wanted to find somewhere, like I didn't want to go and sit in a, I'm not, these aren't companies specifically, but I didn't want to go sit in IBM or a you know, Fortune 100 and sort of be a cog in the machine. I wanted to go somewhere, I wanted to build something and found my way to a company called Comscore, which was in the you know, sort of ad tech space, uh, market analytic, marketing analytics, things like that. And I go into to Comscore, build a, start building out this you know tech recruiting engine there. Um, they're in a heavy growth mode. It's pre-IPO. I call two of my buddies that I worked with. I'm like, hey, there's there's some spots here. We can build a pretty great team. And we did. We built up a fantastic team. You know, one of the guys that we brought in there, I was like, he's gonna be the guy that eventually leads this. And I don't need to lead it. Like, but maybe I'll hmm. be a director. We'll see what happens. Built that up, spent about four years there. I think I was still in, I was a little bit in title chasing mode at that point. Went to an educational institution, like a for-profit education institution, quickly figured out that that was not what I wanted to do. <laughs> um, that was not the, that was not the place for me. And then found my way back into the the startup world again, spent a couple of years at Living Social, sort of building up that machine while that whole daily deal thing was going on. It was the you know, living social versus Groupon, the Pepsi versus Coke kind of thing. And that was like, that was great, right? You know, you got yeah, to be fun. Help, yeah, I got to help mentor and build up some folks there that were new in their career. And I could still do my thing and shine, got to work with some friends. And that became a constant thing. Like, where can I go and work with people I really love working with who are friends, who are people I enjoy spending time with both in and out of the office? Spent some time there. That industry sort of petered out a little bit. Made my way through a couple other things, spent some time at NPR, did some contract work, did some employer branding work. All things come full circle. A couple of years down the line, I find myself back at Comscore again. Hmm. Yeah, we, we sort of put the band back together there, spent a few years doing that again, and then um, you know had the opportunity to go one more time into to management. And I did that. And um, a couple months in, I was like, this, this isn't it, you know? And I had a conversation with my boss and she's like, yeah, this isn't it for me either. So left there, got, a, got an opportunity through some friends. Um, you started to see the theme here where, you know, that network mm-hmm. starts to really take shape. Went over to Amazon for a couple of years and, and really had an opportunity to focus on leadership stuff there. You know, architects, managers, directors, that kind of thing. Had an opportunity to do a lot of mentoring there, lead company-wide calls to sort of train and develop others on that and then got the call from Datadog about uh, almost a year and a half, two years ago, up and coming company post IPO. So I didn't have to worry that, you know, the options I was going to get were just going to be coloring paper for my daughter. Uh, it was real money. Uh, so, you know, came in there, but wanted that opportunity to focus on leadership recruiting and executive recruiting. 
there's only so many years you can you can recruit engineers, you know, kind of daily yeah. engineers hands on. Wanted to, to focus a little bit more on the strategic stuff, the big picture stuff that you bring somebody in and you're going to be able to see the tangible difference they make to the company. So been there for a bit now, spending some time again mentoring folks. Didn't have that pull to go back to management, but you know, working with some folks who I think really want to be great at what they're doing in this role, and if I can help shape them with that, with my experience, with what I know. And that's, you know, that's what I'm, I'm looking to do. And and so far it's been a pretty great fit. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, right now, are you working with anyone that you worked with previously? I am working with somebody that I knew peripherally from here in the DC area. We, you know, we, we were in the same recruit DC community. I actually found out as I was going through the interview process that he had come on board. I, I knew some folks who knew people there. So I had some back channels about like, Hey, is this a good move? Like I'm at Amazon. I don't need to leave here. Right. You know, and uh, got some really good feedback on folks. So, you know, not, um, didn't have the same path of like coming in to work with immediate friends, but uh, it's, you know, certainly I think if I ever were to go anywhere else, I've got those folks here now, you know? Yeah. You mentioned during the journey, well, pretty early, you knew like technical, was this was your lane, right? When did you know that you were one of the best? I know that's a no one likes no one uh, likes to do this, but yeah, I mean, you know, when you're on the agency side, right? It's really easy to tell the numbers are right there on the board. There's a leaderboard, right? Mm-hmm. And I am I'm competitive. I'm type A. I hate to lose. You know, I played sports until I was forty, until the body just gave out. Um, so that, that competitive piece has always been there for me. And I knew when I, when I was able to, to kind of go to the table with something and say, Hey, here's why I think this is a good fit, or here's why I think this will work. And, and people are listening to that and sort of taking your, your advice or your, you know, your, um, your thoughts into consideration and you see those become action. Like that's when, you know, like, I think I've hit on something here. Um, when you have that. I don't know if I want to call it like seat at the table, but, you know, when you have that, that uh, gravitas to be able to, to say, Hey, here's, here's what I've seen. Here's what might work. Why don't we try this? I think those are the things that you, you know, you've, you've sort of made it right. And I think that that's not without those moments where you have, you know, recruiting is this roller coaster and you're going to have super, super highs and the lows are really low. And those lows, you sort of have to fight your, you have to fight your brain to be like, I still know what I'm doing. It's just a bad stretch. This will, this too shall pass. And then with your recruiting now, I mean, you mentioned, I feel like staffing is probably pretty fast paced, even in technical, in the technical world. What is like the clip of you, like your recs? Like how often are you actually getting someone hired when you're doing technical leadership recruiting? It takes a little longer. You have to, mm-hmm. um, and that's an adjustment. I think when I was at Amazon, you know, that you might get two or three of those in a quarter. Gotcha. You know, and you, you really have to, when you're used to having a pop every week, you have to get comfortable with that. It might, it might sometimes be a couple of weeks or a couple months before that, you know, and same, same way now, you know, if I can pop one or two in a month, great. But I have to know that there are going to be months where that's not going to be the case, whether because the process is long tail or it's just a matter of finding the right folks. And you have to, you know, 90% of the people that I'm talking to, I'm I'm convincing them to talk to me, right? They're not, these are not people that are putting in applications. They're, they don't need to leave where they are today. I have to come with that compelling message to say, 
least just get on the phone with me and let's go from there. Right. Right. Yeah. And are you, so where's like the, I guess, what is your scope? Right. So I, I can guess somewhat, but what is the scope of like business functions and levels that you specifically recruit in? So the business functions are all sort of engineering. So product engineering, core engineering, infrastructure, things like that. Um, And product management leadership, uh, product management leadership, right? So so the folks are actually driving, building the products. And that's Mm -hmm. everything from sort of frontline managers who have this almost player coach model of you're managing, but you're also 20% of your time still hands on keyboard coding to senior managers who manage managers and then up to director and and VP levels. Gotcha. So has your hiring manager ever been the CEO? Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, It it has a CTO, a lot more the CTO usually than the CEO. Um, Gotcha. but But that's okay. I actually like that direct chain because I can have a little bit more of a direct influence rather than sort of going through multiple steps to get that message up to the top, right? And and that's hard because you you don't always you have to sort of craft the message that they're gonna they're gonna hear. You know, the oh it's really hard to find people isn't gonna resonate. It's it's really hard to find people and here's why, here's where they are, here's what that market looks like, here's the data that supports, you know, what might otherwise be construed as whining. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So you mentioned one thing that well, not one thing, you you've kind of made it very clear, like I see is the way right now, but also what people might not know is you're no small fish in the world of recruiting, built a brand for yourself. You have quite a following. And I want to talk about when that started, were you trying to do it one? And then like, who's your audience for, for your LinkedIn presence specifically? The success that I've had is a direct result of having unfathomably good mentors over the years. And, and, and I think that, you know, the conversation I had with a former boss of mine and, and the guy that gave me my first recruiting job, Bob Corlett, I still talk to Bob all the time. You know, we, we, we touch base every so often here. And up until this job, like, I don't think I'd taken a job in 20 years without talking to him first. Like, is this crazy? Am I right? Like, you know, and he would, it, Part pep talk, part like smack in the face reality, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that has sort of continued. And I've found these other mentors of people who've been doing this a long time who I've seen how they interact with other people. And those are the folks that I want to I wanna learn from. And I, you know, as I got to that point, that inflection point of like, do I want leadership or not? And, you know, Bob said to me, he's like, what do you, where do you get the most like joy from? Like, where is your like center where is your centerpiece that you get your joy from? And I'm like, well, it's seeing other people have the same journey that I had and be able to grow and succeed from that. And he's like, well, then do that. Do those things that, you know, make you feel good. I wasn't trying to build a brand, but I, you know, when I started to write six or seven years ago too, like, well, maybe I've got something to say. Maybe there's something out there, you know, and you have to fight a little bit of this imposter syndrome of like, well, this guy wrote like five other things. Like, what am I going to say that's different? And you sort of have to get, out of that mindset and just kind of take the leap right now. Part of that is having good editors who can say, yeah, I hear your voice here, but let's, let's flip it around a little bit. And the other piece is just sort of relating to people in a way that they can understand. They can say, yeah, I've, I've, I've experienced that on my journey too. And I think that's an important piece. Again, I don't, I don't need to build an empire, you know, 
speaking at conferences, great. I'm, I'm an extrovert. I'm comfortable with sort of being on my feet and being alive, but I don't need to be, I'm, ha- I'm just as happy being behind the curtain and sharing what I need to. So I don't, for lack of a better term, I don't do it for the clicks. You know, like if somebody reads it, great. And they get something out of it, fantastic. If they don't, like that's okay. There are plenty of other voices that they can get that from too. Right. No, for sure. And you're when you're writing, are you writing for the job seeker or are you writing for the recruiter? I think it's been both probably with a heavier slant towards the recruiter, right? Because this is a this is an industry, this is a profession where we, we sort of constantly have to to change. And I think you, you talked a little bit about before, like, you know, engineering and tech is sort of where I've found my my niche, right? And I like that because I, ca- I have to learn something new every couple of years, you know, like mm-hmm. Kubernetes comes out. I got to figure out what the heck that is and how to spell it, you know, <laughs> like I've got to figure out like AI and why AI is not going to take my job and which parts of AI do I want to give my job to. Um, mm. You know, you have to constantly learn something. And, and and I think if I was doing that, you know, early on in my career where I was doing like accountants and paralegals and like, okay, well, that, I'm not saying it doesn't change, but it's not as sort of deftly changing as technology is. And, and it's way more fun for me to talk about code all day long than it is to to talk about general ledgers. Yeah. As a recruiter that works with a bunch of people that can speak the language, and you obviously probably can speak the language, can you write? Can you code? Uh, I mean, I've hacked up some pretty bad HTML to make my website go poof in the night. Nice. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's about it. Uh, yeah, gotcha. if I had a uh, if I had a stronger aptitude for math back in the day, my my career path might have been a little bit different, but I need a calculator to use a calculator. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm okay um, with there are plenty yeah, of other me too. I've come to accept it. <laughs> exactly. You've alluded to this change. It's like recruiting is changing constantly, especially in your world. When you go into and you even say, like, I'm you're experiencing a seat at the table, people are listening when I'm saying, Hey, things are changing. We maybe should try this. What are some of those things when you, let's say you stepped into a new organization, mm-hmm. what are you evaluating off the top? And what is the likely thing that you think, chances are, I'm going to suggest a change here? I don't know if it's an inclination or whatever it is, but like for a guy who's bad at math, like I have a pretty kind of native intuition around like systems and like recruiting systems, like is it working? Is it not? Um, you know, and, and when it to so sort of two examples with this, when I was back at, at Living Social and we were, you know, we were a startup, we were... Everything was moving a thousand miles a minute. We had an ATS and I was talking to one of the business systems guys. I'm like, Hey, like, I think we can do this system better. Like what, what changes can we make? We went to the vendor and the vendors like, well, we we can't really change that. And so I said to him, I was like, well, what if we, like, what if we strip this thing down to bare bones, like put a parallel universe in with a new system that's stripped down to bare bones. Let's rebuild it for the way that it works for us. And it, it took us six months, but we, we got it up and running and it sort of transformed the way that we were able to work because we weren't in this sort of, you know, walled off jail of like, you only can push these buttons. Now we could sort of make it work to our flow and, and things like that. So that was, that was interesting. It was a big undertaking and it was, um, I, for, there were a lot of times I really thought I bought a bit off more than I could chew, but it worked. And then, you know, coming here when we, we implemented a CRM and I was like, all right, Hey, if we're going to, if I'm going to have to use this, like I want to be on the early team that breaks this thing. And, and I want to know how to break it every which way to Sunday. Um, yeah. And so we did, we got on the early team. I was able to sort of flag a couple of things that, you know, they, they were like, wow, that's actually a bug that we didn't know about. But then even beyond that, as our team got to use it, I was like, we have this system and we can search in there. and We want to be able to sort of 
quickly be able to surface people who fit that maybe we talked to six months ago or a year ago or what have you, but they're now in this sort of, you know, in the nebula of this CRM system, like we have to find a way to do it. And I said, what if we implement a tagging system that's unique to our leadership team that we can put in and say, okay, we need somebody who's at X level, who has X skills, who has worked in certain environments. Like how do we pull that together? And so I worked with our operations team to to, to kind of map out for them, here's visually what I'm thinking it was not any sort of pretty design or anything. It was, you know, a couple of bits on a Google sheet that I thought I could sort of give them the picture of it. And we did implement it. We've had a couple of quick hit successes on that of digging out folks that we talked to some time ago, but, you know, the right thing wasn't there or it just didn't match up or, and, and been able to, to bring those folks aboard. So that's been, you know, that's been really nice to see. And, and I think that that, piece of it from a systems perspective, my brain just sort of thinks like that. I don't know how much of that is OCD. I don't know how much of that is just being really organized, but I think that that's, you know, it's part of doing what we do. I want to work smart, not hard. Right. Right. I love tagging things. It's always been like a, a weird, satisfying feeling when you can like filter and get what you want, you know? And it bleeds out everywhere. It drives my kids crazy. They're like, Dad, where's this thing? I'm like, ah, it's in that closet, third shelf down on the left, underneath the red blanket. And they're like, how? How do you know that? I'm like, right. I just I just know where stuff is. Like, I, just, you know, I don't want to work hard to find something. Right. So if a company came to you and was like, hey, Pete, I am recruiting in the same field as you. But the, the answer is usually like, we don't get any, we don't get enough applicants. Right. Mm-hmm. That's like everyone's answer and in the first thing that they realize, right? What is like your first response to that? Like what do you I, I mean, obviously we're not getting enough applicants anywhere, or at least even in the good when people are getting applicants, they're getting lots of disqualified applicants. So like what is the first place that you think people can optimize in when they're trying to recruit? I mean, I think part of that is kind of establishing a process. Like what are the things that you're going to do to find these people? Are right? you going to go out and you search on LinkedIn? You're going to search on ClickOut or Hire Easy or something like that, or are you going to create these elegant Boolean strings to go and find somebody, right? But also don't forget to check the applicants that come in too. I think everybody's like, oh, we got to go out and search. We got to create this nifty stuff. I'm like, what if the really great person shows up on your doorstep, right? But that's not always going to, it's always going to happen, right? A store doesn't open, put an open sign on there and people flood into it. They have to advertise. They have to have a a brand that makes sense to get people, you know, in the, in the door, you know, sort of off work topic for this is like, I love going to live music shows, right? It's, it's one of my favorite things to do outside of work, if not with my kids or or whatever the case is, but it's hard to find. So like, there's a million venues in DC, like it's hard to find like who I want, how am I going to do this? But there's this app, there's this song kick app and I give it all the artists I'm very interested in and peripheral artists that could be there too. And it, notifies me and says, hey, by the way, here's some stuff you might like to see. And so I don't have to go out and sort of click it on every day and see, is there something in there? I can sort of set it up to do a little bit of the the work for me, right? So whether that's a saved search that I set up and then just have it running every 48, 72 hours, is there anything there that I should be looking at? You know, making sure I'm going through applicants, making sure I'm sort of thinking of different ways to to do this. You know, I put, I was trying to figure out for a a manager role, like what do they call this at other companies? And so I went into chat GPT and said, 
give me all the variations of this job title at a tech company with the size of, you know, 1,000 to 5,000 people. And it's in three seconds, it spits out, you know, 25 different job titles. And now my, my search parameters have gone from this to this. Hmm. And so it's it's about sort of setting up those mechanisms that allow us to to do the job a little bit more efficiently than we did yesterday. Gotcha. No, I love that. ChatGPT, I mean, anything. I was hoping for one, you know, one bit with ChatGPT. <laughs> but no, it's a perfect segue. We we could go forever, but I want to uh, move us to the, the last segment of the show, which is the question of the week. So for those that are listening, Pete is going to get first pass at this question because he's here. He deserves to get first right. But you can also participate in the link in the description and you'll get a qualified interview where you can answer this question. And if your answer is selected as the best, I will send you a gift card from my personal email. So not that my personal email is special. The gift card is more special than me. But uh, just so you know. So go ahead and jump in on that. But Pete, first, let's get you the question of the week. So what is your number one sourcing strategy that you're willing to share? I love to nerd out and spend time in github right and i'm not the first guy to say this right like i'm certainly not the best one at it like there's a you know the mark hamels of the world and things like that that i know are just way better at it than than i am but i think just when i go in there you know you have you have github.com but then you also have like github.io right and github.io is like sort of the personal side of GitHub.com is like, this is the code I write. This is the job that I do. Check out my stuff, blah, blah, blah. GitHub.io is more of the, here's who I am. Here's how to talk to me. Here's how to reach out to me. Here's what I do when I'm not spending eight hours a day with headphones on writing syntax. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that part is really where I, like, that's what I love to see. Like, how do I then figure out, this is where the, the undergrad and psychology that never got used comes into play, <laughs> is like, how do I know like what is going to be that thing that I should talk to that person about right off the bat before we even like dive into, you know, what kind of code they write or what products they build. So for me, like that's where I like to spend that time because it gives me just a different angle of that person and it sort of avoids them getting yet another, I hope this email finds you well, right? Like, oh, I came across your profile. No, you didn't. You found it on purpose. Like you didn't just right. like turn the computer and be like, oh, boom, look at that. You know, you went and, and found it. And so I think that that the research before the reach out, like that's, that's where the gold is. Cause that's mm -hmm. what gets, yeah, everybody's like, how do I get people to respond to me? Like treat them like a human and they're more apt to respond to you. And so I think something like that, where you have this more personal angle of GitHub, like that's the, that's where you figure out like the gold. I love it. Research, research, research and unique ways to research. Right. Well, awesome. I don't want to, I don't even want to try to give an answer to that one. I usually don't as, as I shouldn't, but Pete, it's been great, great having all this knowledge come out of your brain, all this experience for the audience. I'm sure they're going to want to keep up with you. What are the ways in which people should or could follow you to stay in tune with what you're up to? Yeah. I mean, my LinkedIn is, is great. I, I can't say that I tweet or X much anymore because it's just a hellscape on there. Uh, or, you know, when I do put new content up on the site, I've got a couple of new things going up to my website relatively soon. It's recruitinginn3d.com. 
I'm working on a few things that are all about 60% done. I just need to spend a football Sunday hacking the rest of them out. Nice. Awesome. Well, you heard it there, folks. Make sure to follow Pete. He is, even though I forced it out of him, he's still probably underselling the knowledge you can gain by just following his page. And if you like this episode, make sure to subscribe so that you never miss a beat. We're going to keep coming out with these every other Tuesday, as promised. But Pete, it was great to have you here. Great to connect. I hope we can do this again soon. All right. Thanks, Devin. Thanks. Thanks.